Okay, you're good to go? Yeah. Excellent. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Talk to Danielle podcast. I am your host, Danielle C. Baker. Before I introduce my guests for today, don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe to the channel that you're listening to or, or watching, depending on which platform you are on. And today, I have very excited, I always say this, I have an amazing guest, but uh, there, this the work that she does is, uh, is really nice. I love watching her, love her books. I have the lovely Jane Kately on the on author of two amazing books. She's a children's uh, book author. And uh, I will just roll right in and, and just watching her and, and hearing her. We'll, we'll do all the rest. I won't have to say much. So thank you so much, Jane, for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you on. It's a pleasure. I'm really happy to be here. So thanks for inviting me. Yes, thank you. And and uh, you you are a children's books writer. You do write for uh, young readers, which is something that uh, we are all, all advocates for. We just uh, love to promote reading and uh, finding new ways to get children into reading. So can you tell us, just before we get started about all the work, that, the beautiful work that you do, can you just briefly share your story and how you got to, to where you are today? I certainly will. Well, I, yeah, as you say, I'm a children's author and I write educational fiction for three to seven year olds. Uh, the two books that I've written are Last Off to Planet Fun. That's the first one. And then Jamming in the Jungle. <laughs> so I um, always was interested in uh, literacy and creative writing. But I knew that when I left school, I didn't have the life experience to be able to become an author. So I've got a very varied um, skill set. I went to um, work in London and I went to study in Oxford and I did hotel management and then sales management for many years. And then I was PA to the chief executive of a chain of health clubs in London for 12 years. And then I went to live in Greece. Mm. Um, and then I ran a designer children's wear shop. And latterly, I worked at Keepmoat Stadium, which is a football stadium. We had um, a, a foundation that supported, it was like the charity arm, that the money that they made from football, they gave back to the community. So I, I did, um, you know, some administration with them. And then in lockdown, things changed because I was made redundant. I was furloughed for six months and then made redundant. And because I'd always wanted to be a children's author, suddenly I had time and the inclination, so I started to write. So I wrote Blast Off to Planet Fun and published that and then wrote Diamond in the Jungle, and then I'm busy with the third book, which I'll tell oh. you about later. <laughs> yes, that's exciting, and I love it. Uh, and I invite everybody to go have a look at those books. They're just beautiful, beautifully illustrated, and uh, a beautiful story. Can you, a little, well, you, you kind of answered the question about how you were influenced to write the children's book, but can you... Uh, can you tell us about how Smudge, because those are all Smudge's adventure, how a Smudge came to be? Let me introduce you to Smudge. In this. <laughs> yes. um, the reason oh. for Smudge is um, I have three children and we had a pug puppy called Mr Pickles, who was adorable. Mm. And he used to sit on my knee and start snoring immediately. And I said, how can you be asleep? How can you snore? You haven't had time to sleep. And it, it kind of got me thinking about what is this little guy dreaming about? So <laughs> the stories are every time Smudge goes to sleep, he has a different dream. 
So the first mm. time he dreams, he goes through the solar system and lands on planet fun. It tells them all about the fun that he has up there. And then he smiles as he remembers what he's done and the many happy memories of his trip to planet fun. And then at the back of the book, it always tells you where they're going to the next book. So it says, you know, if you're brave enough to discover and explore, we're heading to the jungle. So that was jamming in the jungle. And at the oh, end of this book, it tells them where it's going next. And it's like reverse psychology. You know, that the mm. children put the pressure on parents to say, I want to know where he goes next. I want the next book. So, you know, that's uh, that's that. But And then I had the I found an illustrator in Sheffield, which is about 45 minutes from me. And I sent mm. her, I asked her to do a pug and a French bulldog, because they're the two top breeds that children like. And she did the French Bulldog first, and she sent me this image of Smudge, which is like just a fawn-coloured French Bulldog with loads of lovely patches all over him. I said, that's it. And she said, let me do you the pug. I said, no, 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 that's Smudge. Let's go with that. She's great, because what I do is I write the story, and then I send her a PowerPoint presentation of each page, all the words, and then what's in my head and, and how I'd like her to interpret it. And then I just give her a free reign, because she's the creative artistic one. I mean, it would take me a month to draw smudge and it wouldn't really be very good. And I honestly believe that some people can write and illustrate, but the majority of us can either write or draw. So, you know, in my head, never the twain should meet. And I'd far rather pay an illustrator who is creative to make those words come to life than have a go at doing it myself because it really wouldn't work. So then she has the artistic license to develop the illustrations and she's fantastic. And she really does. I just said, make them fun and, and make the words come to life. And she does that really, really well. So, yeah, that's how we found Nicola. And that's how Smudge was born, really. Oh, no, that's incredible. And it's also wonderful when you find an illustrator that works well with you yeah. and that you don't have to worry about whether or not they'll be able to uh, to bring out your characters the way you have them in your head you know they're able to put that in the paper now I think while you were showing smudge I think the uh, camera may have been on me so I'm gonna stop talking and see if you could show him again in case people miss it yeah okay okay can we see smudge now yes 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 the children absolutely adore him so it really helps you know when I go to do author visits and workshops they really engage with him and they all want to stroke him and hug him and kiss him and you see, he's great for getting them absolutely involved in the story because they can see Smudge and it kind of links the two together. So it's a great tool to engage them in learning and, and yeah. you know, keep the attention, really, because some of the little ones, when you're reading that book, it's maybe three or four minutes. And that's long enough for them to sit often in an assembly on a cold wooden floor. So anything yeah. that they can use to, you know, the intonation of your voice and movements and things to hold their attention. But Smudge is the best thing. Because I have somebody with me and they're going round, you know, and, and they, they totally get then when I'm reading the story that it's that guy that, you know, is the main character. So it really works. That's wonderful. And it, it is important to have that that character that will keep the children engaged in the story. And uh, that leads you to my, to, to, to my next question where uh, what are some of the simple ways? You've mentioned some of them, but I don't know if you, you could elaborate a little bit more from your experience. What are some simple ways that we can get children involved or more interested in reading? I think the first thing is just to make it fun, to make it a pleasure and not a chore. And I think yeah. to start early, 
I read to my children when they're in the womb and I've read to them every day since until they were old enough. And even when they're old enough to read themselves, you know, to encourage them to read aloud and to sit with them. Because, you know, I really believe it's learned behaviour and you should lead by example. And my three are not children anymore. My son's 21. My other son's 19. And they've both done A-level English. Um, and my daughter's just doing a GCSEs and she's predicted to get a grade nine for it. So I just believe that, you know, they've inherited my love of words and literacy. And that's not by chance. That's because they've been immersed in books since before they were born. And, you know, even in cost of living crisis, there's never been a budget for books. Um, mm -hmm. And my soul, soul, my eldest son, he used to love the Beast Quest and Sea Quest series. And he's got the lot. He's got 84 Beast Quests and eight Sea Quest books. And at some wow. point, they'd be quite valuable because he has the whole collection. And, and back in the day, they were maybe £5 a book. And he used to read them in an hour. And then mm. we had to wait for the next one to come out. But... You know, I've, I've just always, and library visits, that's a great thing to do, you know, because there's all kinds of events. I do events at libraries, but just to take a child and, and just really encourage them to, to love literacy and books. I think that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. It is a, a learned behavior and uh, we can't expect children to just be able to sit and listen to the story when they start or even before they have words before their vocabulary is developed you could sleep you get it started and then it does help um i work with a lot of i worked in in schools and childcare centers a lot of parents are worried that if their children are struggling with reading there's a lot of pressure on children when they're learning to read so would you have any advice that you could share for for children who struggle with reading, any sort of modification that we could do, whether you're a teacher or a parent, that we can modify the way we teach reading to help the children that may be showing um, some struggle? Yeah, I think probably um, there's a few things. Use movement when you're telling stories. You know, your hands and your feet and, and bring the story alive. And then your intonation and your voice and the way you tell a story and a different voice for each character is important. I think encourage them to read things that they're interested in let them choose the books. I mean, if you have a child that really enjoys books, mix it up and introduce different genres. But I think for a child who's reluctant to read and they love dinosaurs, give them loads of dinosaur books. You know, it doesn't really matter what they read at an early age as long as they're having that experience. So I'd definitely say let them choose. Um, what else? I think maybe act out a story, you know, get them involved in it and maybe do a project. And, and, a, and a log, you know, so they actually can see which books they've read and how often they're reading. So I think there's all kinds of ways that you can introduce them. While I was um, on furlough, so I was being paid, but I wasn't working uh, during lockdown, I actually wrote um, a book about Donny Dog, who is the mascot for Dumpster Rovers, where I worked, because I'm a literacy champion with the National Literacy Trust. And that I've looked into a lot of statistics and done some research, and it's mainly boys that struggle to, you know, between three and seven that aren't particularly as interested in reading. So I wrote in rhyme again, I wrote a book about Donny Dog and his, you know, on match day and all the kind of things he does, you know, just because I think anything, even the football programme, a comic, mm -hmm. you know, they don't necessarily, I think maybe a lot of parents, you know, insist that the children read and, and maybe giving them inappropriate books. I think the main thing to do is to keep it fun and keep it light and get them involved and, you know, really encourage them that, that you know, maybe give 
um, family and friends a book as a gift. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot, I give mine away and personalize them and sign them and, and people are really happy to receive that. So I think it's really, it's about making books cool. Yeah. That, that's the answer. And if everybody thinks they're cool, then they'll do it. So it's, it's finding ways to, to make reading awesome. And then you've got them all hooked. Yeah, I think that's great because you said that and that reminded me when I was I was pregnant with my first one, I was given books from authors I didn't know, uh, I had never heard of, and they were some of the best books, even my children now, they have two boys as well, and I, I can see them fighting over that collection of books saying, oh, this, I want this one, I want this one to read to my children. So that introduction to new new authors and, and new genres and uh the one thing I'm going to note, you, you talked about logging, uh, the, the, how many books you write. I think that's, I've, I've never thought of that, but that's a great idea because you can encourage the children to say, look, we've read so many. Yes. It's, you know, we had fun because the children feel the pressure and uh, especially if they have friends who are doing very well with their reading skills. So I like that idea of just well, logging. If you read one book a day to your child, the first five years of life, it's 1,825 books by the fifth birthday. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good stuff. It um, is I great. did um, Poetry Jam on Thursday night. I travelled an hour to a library uh, on the coast and it was for two hours and everybody went reading poetry and different literacy and things that they'd written. And um, I was talking to a couple there because she was going to have a baby in three weeks and, and they bought one of her books and the age group is three to seven. But I said, you know, it's never too... They're never too young, mm -hmm. you know, for you to read to them. And I said, have you been reading to your baby? And she said, no. And I said, well, do. Because you can baby, you know, if you two sit calmly in the nursery and read a story, they, you know, it's downtime and they can understand your voice. And, and, and they said, right, yeah. tonight. And they bought a book and they went and, and they, they were going to read it. So it's all about encouraging children and, and educating parents as well. I heard on the radio mm -hmm. recently that a father had said, oh, I don't want my son to read. It's a girl's thing. I don't want him getting involved in reading. And you just think, how, how can that child then, you know, <laughs> just thrive, really, and use his imagination and everything? Right. His, his parents telling him it's not cool to read. It is. It's absolutely the, I think it's the best gift you can give your child, a book and your time to read it with them. I honestly believe that's the very best gift you can give to a child. Oh, I absolutely agree. And it's, I'm happy you mentioned that because it, it's so much more than just reading words on the page for children. comes in with the critical thinking, the, you know, there's so much you could do, uh, problem solving, creativity, all of that is so important. And, and that it's not bonding just time where they have, I mean, children love routine. So you give them a yeah. bath and then you cuddle up with them and you have a story and then they're really calm and they go off to sleep. And, it, you know, yeah. I remember, I mean, mine are 21, 19 and 15, but I remember vividly. And at one time, I had all three of them together reading them a book. I mean, yeah. I, I'm a massive Dr. Zeus fan. I loved it in my childhood and we've carried it on and, and they're Dr. Zeus fans yeah. too. In fact, at my son's christening, um, my brother read um, an excerpt from Oh, The Places You'll Go. Oh, yes. And I love that. You know, you've got shoes on your feet, you've got brain in your, in your head, and you can go anywhere you choose. And it's so true. Yeah. And he's flown yeah. to his education, and he's now doing a forensic science degree at university. And he's got in wow. touch with one of the guest speakers who came to give a talk at his university. And he's got a job when he's finished. And he's absolutely flying. And I honestly yeah. believe that some of that 
is because he, you know, he was immersed in, in books. And I think academically it helps them because, it, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of it gives them more vocabulary and it, it gives them a wider perspective on the world. And then socially it helps them because it lets them um, be more empathetic and, and mm-hmm. you know, just different, interpret situations differently. And I honestly believe it, it helps the mental health, you know, the self-esteem and the confidence. I think yeah. it's so much more than reading a book. It is. It really is. And I, I love that book, All the Places You Go. I gave my son oh. that book for their graduation, high school graduation. That's the book I gave yeah. him because the yeah. world is just open to you. And I love it. Uh, we're going to talk about because you you uh, you do some great work beyond the book. It's not just reading the book, but the story continues in so many other forms. Uh, but before we get into what you do, I'd like to know from, from your experience, what are some of the most unusual ways you've seen uh, reading being promoted and, and the, the impact that's had on the children? Uh, yeah, well, I think author visits and um, workshops you know, when they, when you collaborate with with companies, I think that's the you know really a, a valuable tool for the children. Um, we go. I collaborate with three different companies, um, lion learners, and they actually have real life jungle critters and creatures. So we go in with snakes and geckos and stick insects and hissing cockroaches, and the children mm. love them. So I read Jamming in the Jungle. Then we have a question and answer session. And then they actually get to hold all the animals that they've read about, you know, that I've read to them about in the book. And then we send mm. in advance, we send the activity sheets and the creative writing prompts that are in the back of the book. So it's a whole session then. So they have the story, the Q&A, then they get for half an hour to hold all of the animals. And then they do the written work and um, do an acrostic poem and we sit and help them with them. And, it, you know, it's a whole morning then about, you know, jungle life. And that's really good. I think, you know, just to find different ways, you know, rather than just mm-hmm. sit and read them a book, we, you know, it's kind of thinking outside the box and doing different things. Um, I also do um, workshops with uh, lab rascals who are a scientific mm-hmm. company who go into schools to do experiments and everything. But she has a planetarium. And as part of Blast Off to Planet Fun, I wrote a funky planet rap. And each verse tells them about the characteristics of each planet. And then at the end, it spells out the names of the planets. So it teaches them in song so they can sing along and get involved. It teaches them all about the the rap. So we've put that into the planetarium. So as they can hear the rap, they can see the the, uh, planets as we're rapping about them. They can see them on a big screen. So that okay. certainly helps them. And again, then we do the activities in the back of the book and have the Q&A and we read Blast Off to Planet Fun. And then the one, the workshop that they absolutely love is I'm friends with a graphic um, designer who does spray art. So I read both books and then we do a Q&A and then we get them spray painting either a wall at the venue, either the school or the library, an outside wall. So he does an outline and then they fill it in with the spray or we do it on big boards and then we leave them for the schools or venues, libraries to mount them inside. So they've got the value of the work that the children have done and they can keep looking at it. But I just think, wow. you know, just to do different things with them, to totally immerse them. So it's all it all goes back to making reading and learning fun. And that's what we do. Yeah. That's that's wonderful. I and that's what I love about the work that you do is just it goes even further than anybody would ever think is even just to have the creative writing prompts 
at the end of the the, the book is is great because it gets the, ch- the children are already into the story they're already been transported to this other world and and then they could just jot down all the ideas that they have and and, and they uh, all want get to that. be an author after speaking to an author they go I want to write a book. I said, let me help you. And they go, will you help? I said, yes, sure I will. And we just get really involved in it all. I'm going on Thursday. I'm going to a local library because they have um, an, an autistic group of children. And mm-hmm. it's um, storytelling month. So I'm going to read them Blast Off to Planet Fun because it's a space theme. And then do all kinds of activities with them just for an hour. Because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm my main job is an author. So I do paid visits to places. But I'm also a literacy champion, which is a charity. So a lot of my work, I just go out because I've had a successful career and I live in a beautiful barn conversion. And it's all about making a difference now and giving something back. So, yeah, I still charge reasonable price for for different author visits. But also in my hat with the literacy champion, I'll go out and do different events and just give my time. I'm actually on the organisation committee for the um, Doncaster Pride. We have a family zone, a big marquee where we run literacy events. And all of that time is is given because it's about getting families and celebrating our differences. And, and we gave 800 books away last year, you know, and it, it's the little children love to take a book away, but they're coming with teenage siblings. They go, no, I don't read. And I said, well, let's have a look. And we read the blurb at the back and they go, no, no. I said, what about this one? And we keep going and trying and they leave with a book. I mean, whether or not they read it, it's up to them. But we've done our bit then when we ask them and encourage them to choose a book and they actually leave the marquee with it. You're kind of halfway there. And you hope that when they have that book in the hand and we've talked about how much fun it's going to be, that, you know, they'll they'll give it a chance. So I'd say about half and half is paid work and then half as a literacy champion. I'd just go and give my time for free. Because I think, you know, we have a responsibility to educate the children and to get them interested in reading and learning. Yeah, and you you kind of touched a very important point there, where it's especially for author visits because it's more and more authors will do that, and uh, it's not just to get the children involved, but it really does have an impact on the community itself because it reaches out to the families. So, can you just kind of tell us what what positive things you see out of your author visits when you see that everybody's really getting into it and finding a new passion for reading? Yeah. And, and as I said before, it is about educating the parents. If you can mm-hmm. get them on board, then they will read to the children. Um, I spoke at a conference, a communications conference recently, and that was bridging the gap in literacy as a result of lockdown because the children had lost the social skills and they'd lost that, that um, reading and learning that they had in school because they were set tasks to do. But again, it depends on the parents and how committed they are and how busy they were or... So I, I spoke for 20 minutes about how to bridge the gap with literacy and things that um, teachers and parents can do to bring the children up to the level that they've missed for those two years. And that was really yeah. fun. So, yeah, that's another thing I do, you know, speak at events. And then I'm doing writing courses. So I do them physically and virtually, you know, to teach adults how to write picture books. And then I have an mm-hmm. illustrating friend and she teaches them about the illustration and then I talk about the various routes to publication because there's so many, the traditional route and hybrid and self-publishing. And, and it, it just opens people's eyes to the world of words, really. So, yeah, yeah that, I do all kinds of things to encourage adults as well as children to be involved in literacy. Yeah. And it's just beautiful to see as well that everybody gets involved and 
it's it just goes beyond and it's wonderful that kind of brings it because you, you're talking about all the things that you do and uh, how do you find balance between work life visits uh, workshops all of that what do you do to, to keep yourself yeah, balanced well, I, I think work-life balance is very very important but I also mm-hmm. love what I do and as they say if you love what you do you never do a yeah. day's work in your life so you know I don't feel that I, you know that the balance is wrong because I thoroughly enjoy what I do and my children are independent now and they're off doing their own thing uh, my son comes home at weekends and my other son you know is based at home but he has his own life my daughter you know she does her own thing so you know I spend much of my time you know preparing for events and emailing and writing and because that's what I love to do but it is important you do need that downtime so maybe seven or eight o'clock at night, I'll log off and then I've got mm. a, a kitten. He's my best therapy. So I just play with him and stroke him and cuddle him and he's great. But I, I do think it is important to, to work-life balance, especially when your children are younger. But as mm-hmm. mine are adult children now, so it just gives me the freedom to do what I want. And what I really want to do is immerse myself in literacy. So it's never an issue for me, really. But I would I would say to people you know, that work-life balance is incredibly important and it's getting that right just for you, really, and everybody's different. Yeah, you're right. There is no cookie-cutter way of, of finding that balance. You need to find what's right with you, for you, and uh, that may change over the course of whatever's happening in your life to be mindful of, of how you're you're feeling in all of that. So it's wonderful. What kind of advice? I like to give that. I like to kind of give back uh, for, for the listeners to see if you have any advice you wish you would have you know, something you wish you would have known when you were younger to make your life easier. Is there anything you'd like to share? Um, I think advice-wise, I'd say just follow your dreams. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, be true to yourself. And you're never too old. I mean, I'd always wanted to be a published author, and it didn't happen until I was 54. Mm-hmm. So it's never too late. And and just do, I've, I've worked really hard all of my life. I started working part-time when I was 14. So I bought, bought my first car when I was 17. And I've not stopped ever since. And now I've got to the point in my life where I can just take things a bit easier and do what makes me happy. And, and you know, I'm really, my goal is to encourage more children to read and learn. So, I, you know, they're, they're my best pieces of advice, really, is just follow your heart and your dreams you're never too old. Just go for it. Yeah. Do whatever like makes it. you happy. That's right. That's the important part, right? Like you said, if you're doing what you love, then you never really work a day in your life. Is it just, you're just thrilled? Well, my job doesn't feel like work. And yeah. all the time I'm, I'm like collaborating. Like when I went to the poetry jam and I say to them, I want to collaborate. And now I've gotten involved in another literacy festival and I'm going to speak there and have a stand and sell my books and do workshops. And, and in the interval, six or seven people came up, said, yeah, I'd love to do a writing course with you. Or, you know, and, and it just opens so many opportunities. So everywhere I go, I just say, you know, let's collaborate. Let's work together. And I'm in, um, yeah. I have a quite a big presence on Instagram. I'm, I'm in two really successful engagement groups. So I speak to people in Japan and India and lots of people in America because it makes the world so small. And we're mm-hmm. collaborating all the time and the authors really supporting each other. We don't consider we're in competition. You know, we're all uh, either aiming at different genres or, 
you know, I write in rhyme and maybe another author doesn't. You know, it's not competition. It's all about because as a team, you're stronger than, than as a solo. So we all really support each other and it just opens up so many opportunities. So I just yeah. love, you know, just exploring and meeting people and, you know, just enhancing my learning because you're never too old to learn every day is a school day every day I learn something new and I think it's about keeping your mind open and fresh and I also believe that today's readers are tomorrow's leaders and we have a responsibility to our children and other people's children to get them interested in books because they are tomorrow's leaders it's true it is true. And it's something that in the line of work that I do is that we also say you change the world one child at a time because it's, it's with the work that you do with one child, it grows exponentially into the community and, and the world. So, yeah, it's very important. Every lesson shapes a lie. <laughs> That's right. I love it. I love it. Oh. What is it that, do you have anything new going on? You mentioned a third book. I'm excited to hear about that. This is my yeah. own personal question here. Forget the listeners. I want to know. But, uh, <laughs> it's what, all about um, you, Daniel. <laughs> it's all about me now. Like, please tell me more. Um, oh what have you got going on? Anything any, anything new coming up that uh, yeah. we get to look I've, I've, uh, I've got about three quarters of the way through my next book. And it's about, as my books are all educational fiction, this one is helping them to save the planet and reduce the carbon footprint. Oh, wow. So Smudge teaches them ways, very simple ways, really. How about what a difference they can make? You know, planting a tree, switching off a light switch, you know, just mm. very, very simple everyday things that they can do to really make a difference to their planet, for their children and grandchildren and future generations. And they're far more on board with it than we are. You know, as I talk to children, they're telling me about recycling and, you know, they love all of that. So it's going to be a great one. And again, the the saving the planet is going to open loads of opportunities, you know, with various companies to go out and, and, you know, kind of deliver that message. So I'm looking forward to that one coming out. But to be honest, right at the moment, because I've got jamming and I've got Blastoff to promote and I'm involved with so much, I don't have that much time to write. And you can only (laughs) write when you're in the zone. You know, there's no yeah. point in setting four till five on a Monday because the chances are you'll write nothing. I'm most creative in the middle of the night. So I do mm. most of my work about if I wake up naturally about two or three in the morning, I always take my laptop to bed and I'll probably sit up for an hour, an hour and a half and do three or four verses and I'll tweak them the next time. But if I get my ideas down, because if you lose that creativity, you probably never yeah. remember it again. And that's the best time because you've had some sleep. I've probably had about four hours sleep. So I feel refreshed and then I feel creative. So I write and then I get three or four more hours before I start my day again. So wow, that's, that's my best time for writing. And again, everybody's different. But I certainly yeah. don't think that you should set a, set a time to write because I don't know how others are. But I can only write if I'm feeling creative and I'm in that zone and I'm feeling relaxed mm-hmm. and happy and and then what, whatever I'm doing, you know, even if it's on my phone, I'll make a few notes if I don't have my laptop or I'll handwrite some notes and then I'll translate that into because, you, you know, you get ideas from all different things at all different times. So it's about capturing that and then putting it in the story. I mean, because I write in rhyme, every book takes so much longer than if I was just yeah. to write a story. And I never wanted to be forced rhyme. So I, I try really hard to make it so it flows really nicely. And then probably the writing is only 50%. The editing and the pouring over mm-hmm. every word to make sure. And, and then I try and use um, 
extended vocabulary for the children. You know, words like kaleidoscope of colour and, you know, just different words. So they're not just language vocab that you would essentially use with a three to seven year old, because when you're six or seven, it's important that you introduce them to, to, you know, other phrases and words. So I'm very mindful that I want them to increase the vocabulary. And then, again, it's about, you know, adults, if they don't know the meaning of the word, explaining it to them and, right, you yeah. know, pointing at the text for the younger children and doing things that will make their, their learning fun, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. It is. It's a lot of work into it that people don't realize. And you're right about the editing. It's, it's that back and forth that can take a lot of. And it's changing people's perceptions because, you know, if you mm -hmm. write crime drama or, you know, romantic history or something, people think that you're a really, really talented author and they're going, oh, children's author. That's easy. And they mm. say there's a book in everyone. Probably everyone has got an idea for a book, but not everybody could be a published author because, you know, it involves so many skills, yeah. really. And, and it's having the time and the inclination and, and the, the grammar knowledge and, and the desire to continue because so many people start and then fail. And then mm -hmm. I, I went, I self-published my books with a local company because I wanted them to be the very best that they could be. I mean, some yeah. authors choose to uh, self-publish on Amazon, and that's great. You know, if that's for them, that's fine. But I wanted to, to make them like proper published books with the top quality paper, and and then my publishing company helped to, to get me um, appointments and sessions, and we do radio interviews, and we're looking at some TV work at the moment, which is quite exciting. That so is I just exciting. Don't stop. You know, the the wills our oyster really and we just keep going and exploring new opportunities yeah that's wonderful and how um how can people reach you or follow you or see your work could you share that and i'll write them in the comments and the description of this episode yeah i follow most people um um on instagram so it's smudges mm. adventure six is my account on Instagram. So anybody can just send me a message or, you know, through there. I'm on Facebook. So all the posts on Instagram go onto Facebook, which is Smudge's Adventures. But I don't tend to use that. I think it's important to focus on one platform, really. So yeah. I, I'm very much in, more involved in Instagram. And then the books are for sale at all um, usual bookstores online, Amazon, Waterstones, Book Depository, just any retail online retailer, the books are available. And then on Etsy and eBay, I actually they they're sent from my home, so I can do a personalised copy and then write a message in. They have an opportunity to to do a message to the child, which is nice. And then I wrap them all in tissue paper, and I've got smudge stickers. So I even make the envelopes fun, you know. So when the child's opening it, they're thinking, "Wow, there's something good in here." So I think any trick that you can use. To make that yeah. reading experience fun and use it and get them engaged. Yeah. So by the oh, time they cool. open the book, they really want to read it because they've had <laughs> all of that, you know, excitement with the unwrapping. And children love unwrapping. Yeah. Right? 
Uh, yeah, it's it's the it's it's part of the fun actually the excitement it just builds it up so it's wonderful and I'll thank you I'll I'll uh, make sure to add that to the description in the comments so people can follow you and uh, to uh, to see at least to know when the next book is coming out and all the other uh, other workshops that you do I, I think it's it's wonderful I could talk to you all day <laughs> to be honest with you all day Danielle <laughs> oh my goodness but I do have all of our questions. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I do have one last question. I, I always ask, it's a promise that I made to a, a young, a little girl. She was about nine or 10 at the time. And I, I promised her I would ask everybody I interview because this is a question that we ask children all the time. And she was asking them and she was interviewing adults for a, a school project. And she was asking them that question, but nobody would answer her and she would get rather frustrated so her mother was saying well maybe you should stop asking if if it's you know it angers you so she said no somebody's gonna get it and when she interviewed me I answered right away and she turned to her mother and said see I told you somebody would get it so I, I love that yeah, yeah I told you so so I told her I would ask that question is what would you like to be when you grow up I don't want to grow up yes <laughs> I'm 56 now and I have no desire to grow up at all. I just want to carry on doing what I do because I love it. So I want to carry on writing. I want to carry on delivering workshops and talking and um, communicating with people on social media and at events. And I just want to carry on doing what I'm doing, making a Mm -hmm. difference a day at a time in the lives of young children. I don't want to change the world, but I think if all of us were kind and encourage children to read and learn in a fun and interactive way, the world would be a better place. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. And this is why I love that question, because if we're lifelong learners, then we are constantly growing, we're constantly evolving. So there should be something for us to look forward to as we uh, as we progress. So I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Like I said, I could talk to you all day and I, I can't wait to see the, the new adventures that are coming up for Smudge. And uh, thank you again for, for coming on. I really appreciate it. I've really enjoyed our chat, Danielle. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And for everybody listening or watching whichever channel you're on, don't forget to like, follow and subscribe. Make sure that you follow Jane as well with all the wonderful work that she does. And uh, we'll see you for everybody who is watching or listening. Until next time, stay safe, stay awesome, and we'll talk soon.